0: Speak, O Lord, till your church is built, and the earth is filled with your glory. Amen. Passage this morning has been changed from what was uh, printed in your uh, your bulletin. We're going to uh, look at Mark chapter seven. In, uh, in a minute. And before we do, a couple uh, items that I uh, wanted to bring to your uh, attention. Uh, one, um do, do want you to continue, and we will throughout our time to continue time together now, to continue to be reflecting on these particular pathways and how God has, has spoken to you through them. And at, when I, I finish, I will uh, invite you. To share with us, if there's a, a way in which you were particularly um, touched uh, led guided um, by the Lord through these and would be interested in sharing that with us for the the common good to, to build us uh, all up that would be uh, um, wonderful so I plant that now don't we have uh, I know one person that uh, I mentioned this last week and one person has uh, come to me and i'll ask uh, them to share when we uh, uh, at the conclusion of the sermon. I had a wonderful opportunity this week to uh, watch uh, one of my favorite movies with uh, Nate. And that movie is uh, Karate Kid. Remember that movie? Um, I, I've mentioned this once before, but it was uh, really one of my favorites. And there's a great section in there. Um, if, if you don't know the, the movie, uh, um, Mr. Miyagi is the uh, uh, maintenance guy at this second-rate apartment complex uh, that in, uh, in California. Uh, Daniel and his mother have recently moved to California from New Jersey, and Daniel's a high school student and his uh, entrance into the, the high school scene in this part of California was not good. It was very troubling. He talked to the wrong girl because the girl was the ex-girlfriend of the high school bully. And so Daniel, not knowing, walked right into it and then also found out that the the hard way that the high school bully was the county champion in karate. So, Mr. Miyagi, who was from Okinawa, he uh, found out about this with Daniel and said, Daniel's son, which is what he called Daniel, I'll, I'll help, and invited him to his house, and then for days gave him a number of different assignments, the first was to wax all of his cars, and he had a fleet of cars, six or seven. But he told them specifically, use your right hand, you wax on this way, and then you wax off with your left hand. And he was very particular about how he waxed on, and then waxed off. Then at the end of the day, Daniel sore in his shoulders and upper body, Left and came back the next day. And today, Daniel's son, we will sand down the boards that are on my deck. And the deck was about half of his front yard. But you will sand on this way with your left hand. You will sand off this way. So then Daniel, on his hands and knees, sanded the deck. Sand on, sand off. And every once in a while, Mr. Miyagi would come out and remind him, Nope, nope, nope. Sand on, sand off. The next day, came back. And he asked him to paint his fence. Paint the fence, but paint up. It's all in the wrist. And then paint down. Paint up, and then paint down. Three or four hours later he finally had finished painting up, painting down, he had to switch hands at every board, every other board. Finished and Mr. Miyagi said, No, Daniel son, now outside a fence. The next day he came back and mister Miyagi was gone. It was just a note. Paint the house this time, but not up and down, side to side, all in the wrist the whole time teaching him breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth well mr miyagi returned from fishing that evening daniel blew up with him i mean what he figured he was doing at first was just paying his rent so to speak you know he was paying the fee that was going to be taught or that he needed to pay in order to be taught karate by mr miyagi But he threw down the paint and said, you've just used me to do all of your hard work. All of this effort has just been for you. When are you going to teach me karate? To which Mr. Miyagi said, Daniel, wax on. Yeah, wax on. It's like, no, 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 no. Wax on. Wax on. Wax on, Daniel. Waxed on, and right when he did, Mr. Miyagi gave him a chop, to which Daniel then blocked him. Wax off, Daniel. Wax off. Wax off. And he did. And as he was waxing off, Mr. Miyagi gave him another chop, to which he then blocked him. Paint down. And he painted down. He went to kick him, and he blocked his foot. Paint the house. And he painted to the side. He blocked another kick. He said, Daniel. Daniel, son. This whole time, you have been learning karate. You just didn't know it. And, of course, the movie goes on. It has a Hollywood ending. (laughs) But that section... Is one of my favorite sections of any movie because that's the essence of the spiritual pathways. You know, we're fasting, don't no eat for this period of time, praying, taking time for worship, meditation on the Word. Those are all part of the process of learning, of growing. In Christ, so that we learn, so that we are transformed, so that our heart is renovated through those into the ways of Christ. The the disciplines are not an end in themselves, they are indeed a pathway where the end and the process for us is to be transformed into the very character of Christ. Why are we doing these things? We might cry out to God like Daniel did to Mr. Miyagi. And God simply says to us, so that you might learn to live like Jesus. That's what we find in our passage in Mark chapter 7. I invite you to turn there. Starting with verse 5, it's found on page 819 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to to turn there. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. Mark chapter 7, starting with verse 5. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother whatever, your, whatever support you might have had from me as Corbin, that is an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going, by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile? Since it enters, not the heart, but the stomach, and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared, all food's clean. And he said, it is what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. The first thing that we have to see as we look at this particular passage, and it's common throughout the whole scripture, is that we... Regardless of how religious we are, for the Pharisees, the scribes, they were the most religious of the day. I mean, they they were the experts. They they knew it in their head. But the first thing we have to recognize is that we are all broken. That there is a, a brokenness deep within us. That necessitates the renovation of our heart. The process of renovating, of renewing us from the inside out. I recently read a, an article by Kay Warren, who's the uh, pa, uh, the wife of Rick Warren. And, and she had gone to Rwanda for a trip. And, and she went to Rwanda to look for monsters. Because she'd heard of all the evil genocide between the Tutsis and the Hutus. And, and she had said how terrible it was. You know, just... Thousands upon thousands killed, killing one another with machetes. It was grotesque. And so she wanted to see and hear, you know, who are the monsters that could do such a thing? The only problem is that she went and she found no monsters. She found human beings like you and me. And she realized anew, as we all do, that we are all broken. There, there are no monsters. There are just humans. It is a common fault of religious people. And the Pharisees were, were key at were doing this. Seeing the evil that happens out there. And saying, you know, if we only fixed that evil, then the world would be a better place. Jesus never listened to that. He always drew it back as he did with the Pharisees. What about the evil that's within you? What about the transformation that needs to happen within you? That was his focus. We're broken on the inside. That famous quote of Alexander Solzhenitsyn in his Gulag Archipelago. Gradually, he says, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. The evil that we do, Jesus tells the disciples, or tells the Pharisees and then the disciples, the evil flows through our heart, or it flows out of our heart. Not outside in, but inside out. Real problem with the spiritual pathways. As good as they are, as helpful as they are, as necessary as they are, the, the Pharisees show us a danger that they can become an end in themselves. That we can simply pray in order to pray, we can worship in order to worship, we can fast in order to complete a fast, we can meditate in order to meditate. And that, if it stops there, is failure. And then, even worse than failure, it, is, it opposes the very thing that God would want us to do if we stop there. Because that's what the Pharisees did. The, the, the practices became an end in themselves. And they, they tithed with specificity We're told in Matthew 23. For you tithe mint, dill and cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. So it's not an either or, it's just we have to keep walking the pathway to what God wants it to do. And that is to transform our heart, to change us from the inside out. And by that, changing, impacting the world. He goes on in Matthew 23, and that's where he tells the Pharisees, you know, you clean the outside of the cup. And of the plate. But inside. You are full of greed. And self-indulgence. Since for you are all like whitewashed tombs. Which on the outside look beautiful. But inside. Are full of bones. Of the dead. And all kinds of filth. It's the place of reflection. That. Helps us. It leads us as we practice these disciplines, these spiritual pathways. It's the, the place of reflection that helps us to, to recognize the interchange that needs to happen, the, the work of God on the inside. It's the place of reflection where Mr. Miyagi says, Let me show you what waxing on and waxing off really accomplishes inside of you. Let me show you the impact of prayer, of worship, of fellowship, of fasting, of meditation, of simplicity on your heart. When we stop and reflect on what God was teaching us, telling us how God was changing us. Because God is at work He is at work in each one of us to renovate our heart. It is indeed an extreme makeover. The only problem is it's not going to happen in two weeks and it certainly isn't going to be shortened for a nice hour television show or two hour special edition. It is an extreme makeover that is not finished until we see our Lord face to face. But it is an extreme makeover that we are on now. We see in our passage, as we consider the Pharisees and the scribes, it is not a matter of right knowledge. Right knowledge helps. That's certainly good. But if it were just a matter of right knowledge, then wouldn't our world be a different place? Do you know that Rwanda, in the... during the time of the genocide, was one of the most Christian countries in the world. At least professing to know Christ. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, they knew the law. They knew the right thing. It's not even a matter of doing the right thing cause we don't i mean the pharisees did they they did the law but they did the law with the wrong motive it's a matter of becoming of not knowing of not doing but being of being in Christ of being in Christ so that Christ will make us Good in the power of the Spirit. That is the extreme makeover. Romans eight, where, where Paul talks about everything working together for good. We know that all Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And then get this, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. What, all things work together for good. Well, the key is, what does good mean? And what we're told here, what is good means that we conform to the image of Christ. Christ. So all things work together not for what I want or what you want or what we want, but all things work together for those who are calling to His purpose because all things God can use to continue to transform us to be more and more like Christ. That is good. And reflection is that time when we stop and say, God, what are you teaching me here? How are you correcting me? How are you encouraging me? How are you doing what is good? How are you making me more like Jesus? The other passage that came to mind was Philippians two, twelve, and 13. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who has at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. See, we, it's really, it it sort of was shocking to me to even say what I said a few minutes ago. That it's not a matter of, of Knowing or or doing, it's a matter of being good in the power of the Spirit. Because, wait a minute, we can't be good. Well, yet in our own power, we can't. But in the power of God, we can. Miracle of miracles. It is a denial of the power of God at work within us, what we've been predestined to be and what he is at work within us to do so that we will will and work according to his good pleasure. These this these pathways are here to enable us to be in the presence of God so that surrendering to His Spirit so that He indeed will change us. These are some of the practices that we've talked about the last six weeks that help, that enable us, put us in a place of saying, God, change us, renovate us on the inside. Reflection. Reflection helps us to consider, uh, to, to think about where is that evil that is within us? And where is the work of the Spirit within us? It, it's one of the main ways that we take the, the spiritual practices that we do and allow them to open our very heart and our soul. In a sense, reflection is a time when we say, Spirit of God, invade us and renovate. I mean, this is, as, as Paul said in, in Philippians, this is the process of salvation. What we call sanctification. But it is the process of working out Our salvation. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I I do want you to reflect which one of these pathways are the ways in which God has is at work in you. And and I I hope that you will jot down notes for yourself just between you and, and God, make use of this and then turn it over. And, and look at some of the, the psalms of reflection, the psalms of, of remembrance that are mentioned there. And then even write your own. Encouraging you, if that's the way you want to, to share what God is doing and, and to share that with others, invite you there. Mitch's, Mitch's email is right there and they're putting together an anthology with this and a number of other things. Get that to him. A psalm, base it on one of these psalms or or, or on your own. A psalm of reflection, of remembrance, celebration of how God is at work in you and in us. Let's be careful that we not fall into the, the trap of the Pharisees where the pathways instead of leading us deeper and deeper in Christ, become means to uh, simply in themselves fulfill mindlessly without reflection. Or even worse, they become objects of pride as they were with the Pharisees. Become things that, that do the very opposite of what they're intended. They prevent us from hearing God from inviting the Spirit to invade us and continue to change us. They become objects of pride instead of leading us to a proper humility before our God. Now, I want to invite uh, anyone that would be interested to share. I know Missy would... uh, it's uh, said she would uh, be willing to share with us just her own reflection from these pathways and what they meant for her. If you want, I'll be glad to hold her, and then you can hold the mic. I'll give you the mic. Let me see. Now uh, it's on for you. Hey, sweetheart. See you. Oh, she's we'll, smiling at him. You
1: can't yeah. see that. But. Yeah, we'll just
0: go hang out together, okay? Yeah. I'm going to reflect on you. <laughs>
1: Um, Well, my story actually begins about two years ago. Um, My husband and I had been praying for a period of time about kind of what was coming up next. And um, God spoke very clearly that grad school was in my husband's very immediate future. With three young kids, I took a big deep breath in and said, okay. (laughs) And um, off we went. And um, for those of you that do know me, you know that I am a rather independent, strong-willed person who likes to do things herself and her way, and I have a very hard time asking for help. Um, God started to break me of that during this period of time, and um, a friend of ours very graciously um, told me, didn't ask, but actually told me that she was going to start making me one meal a week um, while my husband was in grad school, and, um, boy, that has been a humongous gift. <laughs> and even then, God started to really challenge me in my understanding of fellowship. Um, growing up in the church and having gone to a major university and being involved with Campus Crusade, my thought of fellowship really was the social scene and being with people that believed the same things that, um, that I believed in spiritually. Um, but the the deeper part of those relationships and the looking out for one another and caring for one another um, and taking the initiative to meet needs that they don't even know that they have yet did not really come to fruition until really that period of time and then um, what was to come. Two months ago on September 14th, Um, As my mom and I were driving my daughter's um, home from my daughter's birthday party, my mom received a phone call saying that a tree had fallen on her sister's house, and they weren't sure if she was going to make it. And um, our family is very close-knit, and that was uh, quite a shock. Um, When I finally got home, um, we had no power. We had no telephone. We had nothing. We had rain and leftover birthday cake, Um, and... Our small group was absolutely amazing during this time. For that entire week, we had no power. And our small group took my kids' places because the kids didn't have school. And I'm trying to deal with a five-week-old and this humongous tragedy that happened to our family. We had people picking up our kids, taking them places, giving me time to mourn and do what I needed to do. Um, we, obviously, we didn't have power at the church and you all through your tithes and offerings. Um, offered the mission house to us, so we were able to stay in the mission house, um, which was, a, again, a humongous gift for us. And um, after the dust kind of settled and we were um, kind of done with that, that process of mourning and grieving, Brian and I had a few just very um, deep discussions about there was no way we would have been able to make it through that, that period of time had we not been encouraged both physically and spiritually and emotionally by the body of Christ. And it challenged me in new ways to really look out and seek people and seek opportunities to just meet little needs, like a dinner, like taking somebody's kids for the afternoon um, in order to allow them to experience a renewal um, with the Lord and just sometimes some peace and quiet, which is something I think we all need.
0: Thank you. She's easy, and, but don't call me at three in the morning. Any anybody else? Yes. Giff. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. My name is Gifford Tibbs. Most of you know me as Giff. What I've learned can be summed up in two words. Connection and surrender. Prayer, connection. Worship, connection. Fellowship, connection. Fasting, surrender. Meditation. Surrender. Simplicity. Surrender. give I connect. You surrender. Thanks, Giff.